Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Three, two, one, go. Welcome to NYCBD with Jeffrey Hill on, on, on 710WOR. Good morning. I'm Jeffrey Hill, your host right here on 710WOR Radio in New York City. With me are two very important people. First, my producer, Anthony Filippio, the Flips. I am here. Hello, Mr. Flips. I am here. Good morning to you. Good morning, Good morning. to you. Well, your Knicks have, uh, your Knicks have made uh, national news now. Yeah. That's nothing to do with basketball. It's no. everything to do with whether or not they can keep uh, the $10 million man in his seat. Right? I love the fact that he shouted out Oakley. All right, yeah. Spike so. Lee. That was my favorite part of the whole interview on ESPN. Right. For the audience that doesn't understand what we're chatting about here, we had Spike Lee, who's been on the floor spending $3,500 a seat times two, $7,000 a game, times 46 games a year, which includes about five uh, preseason games. Call that about $300,000 a year. For how many years, Jay? How many years? 10 years? 20 years. 20 years. So we're almost up to $10 million. And the owner of the Knicks, who we all know to be Mr. Dolan, uh, ended up having an issue with him, and uh, he left in a huff and said, I'm not coming back for the rest of the year. Yep. Of course, Dolan knows that he's already paid his $7,000 for the two seats, and I think he can- He's re- reselling those he's, seats. He's reselling those. <laughs> yeah. All right, also is, uh, with me is Jay Contessa, who is effectively becoming the co-host. Good morning, Jay. <laughs> good morning, Jeff. How good are to, you? Good to see you. Good to see you. Likewise. All right, what a week. So let's, you know, I, we can move, we're going to move on with the show really soon, and- and but I, there's a few things we simply need to talk about. So let's talk a little bit about Super Tuesday, gentlemen. All right, talk about a rebirth. I have never seen. I've been following politics. I'm an addict to yeah, politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Before we get to Super Tuesday, there's so much going on in the political world these days. And perhaps the most amazing thing, in my view, was the termination or the I guess the uh, the retirement, the formal retirement, formal retirement after 20 years of hardball by Chris Matthews. Yeah. What'd you think of that? Yeah. Geez, I was shocked. Yeah. I so was shocked to read I, the allegations and then, you know, just doesn't fit the person, you know, in my mind. I actually taped that show. I've been oh, taping you? hardball for 20 years. Really? Right? really? Because I think the guy is a student of politics, yep. right? He's entertaining. Yeah. He does ask tough, challenging questions. Yeah. And for the most part, I thought he was a completely respected individual, right? right. He worked right. for Tip O'Neill years ago. He yeah. was a speechwriter. He's he done also all kinds did of things. the best walk-off I've ever seen in my life. Right. Yeah. When he walked off the show. Sure. Yeah. So I don't know any, you... any baseball player hitting a home run. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Right. <laughs> right. So I don't know if you know this, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, he comes on the show like a regular show and- he opens up with like a two and a half, three minute monologue that basically talks about what a pleasure he had doing 20 years of hardball and that uh, this is going to be his last performance. And not only was it his last show, he didn't even finish the show. No. He just literally gave his yeah. sign off and left. Right. Now, I went back and started reading a number of articles. I Googled up a bunch of things that apparently he's got a few skeletons in his closet as it relates to how he has treated women, but... You know, this is such a critical issue today. Right. The, the challenge is that I think he, as a, I'll call him a 70-year-old guy, 
in an effort to be somewhat complimentary and perhaps somewhat abusive. I don't deny that, especially right. in today, you know, which yep. 2020, you, you can't get away with the things he used to do. Correct. But they quoted a number of things right. that he had said and any number of other people like um, on his air, you know, woman after woman after woman came up and said they're going to miss him. What a shame. And right. they, they never recognized that kind of an issue with him. So right. I, and I don't know. I thought yeah. that was astounding. Yeah, no, I I agree. I was shocked when I saw the allegations, and uh, and I, I only saw it was one individual, I believe. So to well, your point, yeah, the woman that uh, GQ, she's a yeah. she's like a ghostwriter for GQ or Correct. something like that. And right. he and he did say some, un, you know, I mean, some in today's world, some things that Correct. aren't terribly good. I mean, yeah. they, apparently they were making her up next to him in the makeup section, and he said something about what she looked like. And, right, more makeup. Yeah, yeah, or something like that. <laughs> and yeah, that's not appropriate, but but no. do you lose your job after 20 years, a guy that's right. been kind of an icon in the industry? I don't know. Yeah. All right, let's move on to another icon in the industry, and let's move to another form of politics. <laughs> Joe Biden has to be considered the greatest the greatest return, right? Last Saturday, that man was, they were, they was literally, they, they yeah. were putting the shovels and just right. starting to bury him. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and, and and look at him now. He won nine states. Yeah. Right. He's leading in. Uh, he's leading in electoral college votes. Yep. And Bernie's on the run. Yeah, right? he Bernie. It's the, the cards have flipped in uh, after South Carolina. It's uh, it's a whole new ball game. Yeah, absolutely astounding. And the mayor, the mayor Bloomberg. Yeah. He's, what is he? Five hundred million dollars in. Do you want to hear uh, Biden's new uh, theme song? Go go for it, my friend. There you go. <laughs> All right, the Let's Go Joe theme song. And you can... Ex- it's not over. Don't worry it. I'm with you, man. Yeah. All right. Still not over. All right. Okay. <laughs> Who's paying for this show, anyway? All right. So now that's... Uh, I, I am anticipating we're going to hear a lot of that. And, you know, it's it's really... It's truly amazing. I, I wonder what Trump is thinking right now, because he spent, what, six months, nine months during the impeachment investigation trashing all over Joe Biden and his son, right? Yep. And I guess he probably now feels like that was money well spent, right? Yeah. Because, indeed, you know, Biden is... Apparently, looking like he 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 has a runway to get there. Right. Yeah, there's right. no the, chance the, that he's Repub- win, though. the Democratic Party is going to do everything they can to get him there. Well, they, they did. Yeah, they, they made did. everyone drop out. Drop out. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. That's yeah, true. I wonder yeah. what our counterparts on this air have to say. We got Russia on the air. We have Hannity on the air. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're having a field day, right? I, I haven't listened to the most <laughs> recent oh, yeah. most recent comments. But that's why but Elizabeth Warren hasn't dropped out, right? Because she's still stealing votes she's taking from votes, Bernie. Yep. And so it's kind of uh, their ace in the hole to lock that piece yeah, up. No, so no support, that's a, that's no support an, for Bernie on the Democratic that, yeah. that's, an, that's an interesting thing because I don't understand why Elizabeth Warren is still engaged. Yeah. If this is a woman that in her home state came in third, right? She came in third in <laughs> yeah. Massachusetts. I yeah. mean, that, 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 as, does any more need be said when you come in third in your own state? Yeah. Quite astounding. Yeah. All right, but I guess my net conclusion in all of this, and then we'll move on with the show. But my net conclusion in all of this is. I think it's time to define Iowa and New Hampshire as completely irrelevant. Oh, right. Yeah. No one even. Because after Iowa and New Hampshire, you know, Biden looks like he has no role. Buttigieg looks like he's some kind of a star. Bernie, of course, you know, does well. Right. They probably Um, are. uh, Half of them that dropped out probably promised jobs in Biden's administration if he gets somewhere. Well, I I think that's true, of course. I mean, there's a lot of backroom deals going on. And you've got to know that Buttigieg and some of these other guys are. Warren are probably into being VP for Biden. 
Ooh, I doubt uh, that. That'll be interesting. I, yeah. I, I, well, I, I that's a real that field day well. for Trump. Klobuchar yeah. <laughs> or somebody else, one of them. I yeah, can I, carve them up. Definitely going to be a woman. <laughs> All right, let's get on with the show. We're available every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. on 710 WOR in New York City. Then the show becomes available as a podcast on the iHeartRadio app, iTunes, and Spotify. Just search NYCBD with me, Jeffrey Hill. You're also shooting the show live uh, as a YouTube channel, which can be found at NYCBD Official. We're going to stick with our four segments of the show. First one being Cannabis in the Tri-State Plus One, Plus One being Massachusetts, where we update you, of course, on critical issues in the four states. Our second segment is called Stunning and Amazing Facts, what I consider to be the most relevant issues and opportunities in the space since last week. Our third segment is called Today's Guest. We're thrilled to have Ian Davidson with us. Listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. Ian is a farmer. I love calling people a farmer. Of course, he's a incredible agriculturist and botanist, but we'll call him a farmer, entrepreneur, and agricultural visionary who has dedicated his entire professional career to building companies focused on sustainable agriculture. Ian's experience in the cannabis space spans more than 15 years. He's founded several successful cannabis-focused companies, has grown more cannabis at 600,000 square feet than virtually any other human being alive. And he indeed spent a good portion of his career working with Oprah Winfrey in her 4,000-acre Hannah Ranch, which, of course, is her organic ranch located in Hawaii. So you're going to want to listen to what Ian has to say. Lastly, we will end the show with our fourth segment called Your Messages, providing answers to the most interesting direct messages that the Flipsinator picked out after last week's show. All right, we'll be back with our first segment, Cannabis in the Tri-State Plus One. Are you waking up the day after a workout, tennis match, or even a long walk just feeling it? Introducing CBDeliveryNY.com to help you live the life you know you can. They carry superior CBD made from the highest quality hemp, grown and harvested under the strictest regulations. Their ambassadors are certified trainers, physical therapists, and yoga teachers. They have gone through a rigorous education program, helping them understand what the power of plants can do for your overall wellness. So start 2020 off right. Try one of their New Year's product bundles. Go to cbdeliveryny.com. That's cbdeliveryny.com to find out what the power of plants can do for you. Welcome back to NYCBD with Jeffrey Hill right here on 710WOR Radio every Sunday at 8 a.m. Don't forget I also write a blog called medium.com slash at Jeffrey Hill 2. That's medium.com slash at Jeffrey Hill 2. I'll tell you a funny story, ladies and gentlemen, why we're all gone. There was so much energy in the studio, right? Why was there so much energy? Because everybody said, hey, how much, how, much, how much positive conversation did we have just now? So what I'm going to try to do as we move forward is I'm going to continue to bring you the facts and the information in the space that's relevant. And of course, our guests are typically pretty darn good. We get high marks for the guests. I'll try to have more conversation and get some thoughts, especially from Jay and the Flipsinator over here, representing opposite sides of the spectrum. Of course, you know that Jay, ex-Unilever guy, spends 30 years in consumer packaged goods, understands health care and personal care, et cetera. And, and I just work in radio. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you got the Flipsenberger representing the other Making side. Making sure everybody looks good. Of the universe. I just work in radio. Right. So. What, you go, what you guys don't know is we've got three or four very cool-looking dudes in the back doing the video. They don't get a chance to participate very much, but we're going to give them a mic at some point and see where that takes us. That should be quite fascinating. All right. Let's move on in New York. 
I have done quite a bit of research on New York because I wanted to find out why New York's medical marijuana program, which services about 110,000 patients, is insanely expensive. All right. What do I mean by that? New York State Assembly and Senate passed a bill legalizing medical cannabis for severe conditions in 2014. That's a full six years ago. We have had a lot of discussion on this show regarding the legalization of adult use, where Governor Cuomo has... <laughs> All right, obviously that was from Fletcher. <laughs> yes, we, we love his reactions to the, the governor every week. Where Governor Andrew Cuomo has suggested annual incremental tax income. Initially, I had written 150 to 400 million. Those are real numbers, ladies and gentlemen, all quoted right from his own people, right? And now we're down to somewhere between 30, 70, and maybe as much as 100. So it's a little bit like going to the roulette wheel and putting down your chips and wondering exactly where the ball is going to land, right? I don't want to talk about adult use today, however. I'll give you a little bit of an update, but what I really want to talk about is the medicinal program. At the time the medicinal bill was passed, it was actually praised as a progressive piece of thinking by neighboring states. Policies that far outpaced the accessibility of many other programs existed here in New York. Well, guess what? Now the whole thing is upside down. New York appointed a limited number of vendors, requiring them to vertically integrate their services from seed to sale. In other words, you have to be in the grow business, the seed business, grow it out, right? Extract it, produce it, and then sell it all the way from seed to sale. This is the kind of thing that's been done in many other states, but is being rethought in many other locations because vertical integration makes it a very kind of, uh, if you will, monopolistic business, fewer people doing more, and creates a certain amount of limitations. In the case of New York, that means 37 shops exist in the entire state. That's medicinal dispensaries. Eventually, things loosened up a bit, and the list of conditions has widened, right, thank God, to include chronic pain, which enabled many patients to sign up and get medical marijuana cards, which is how you do business here in the state of New York. It's a medicinal-only state. You must have a card. Unfortunately, holding a medical marijuana card comes with dramatically less access to cannabis than the multi-million dollar illicit market provides. So what happens? Many people who need the product for a number of medical conditions are forced to buy from illegal markets, or they're forced to go up to Massachusetts and take a ride and go across the border, in which case they're doing things illegally. All right, let's talk a bit about pricing and selection in New York's medical marijuana program. With a medical card, you can visit one of the retail outlets in New York State And with recent developments, you can get home delivery. But the card and patient recommendation expire each year requiring renewal. Well, imagine that. Imagine that, Jay, if we had to renew our license every single year. It's ridiculous. Okay. We're going to give you a license or imagine this in in conventional medicine, right? You get a prescription. How do you get your prescription renewed? Well, you go to the doctor. Doctor. You say, doctor, I'm not feeling well. Right, same problem I've had before. What right. is the doctor going to say to you? We'll renew it. Yes, yeah, exactly right. And then you call up your uh, your pharmacy, your online pharmacy. Now you don't even have to go to Walgreens right. or CVS. You right. call up online and you go home to delivery, capsule or somebody else, and the yep. stuff just shows up. Right. Yep. On we go. On time. Right. Not here in New York with the medicinal marijuana capability. Where right. do you renew the card? You have to get another prescription, and you have just to from go a doctor. To, you get to a doctor, and then you have to go to the. Well, she could actually apply for you and get delivered oh, to okay. mail. But but it, I, never, it, I don't it, have uh, one, so I'm yeah, curious. It all takes weeks. It's oh. absolutely incredible. All right? There's also no cannabis flower available in New York. No edibles or beverages of any sort. Which a study we conducted here on NYCBD with Jeffrey Hill suggests a significant negative for about 65% of cardholders 
especially among terminally ill patients and elderly patients who really would like to consume the product with an edible, right? I can, yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. Right? You know, who likes edibles? Edibles are consumed by people who hate drugs, right? Right. All right. So I, I don't love drugs. Mm-hmm. I have learned to eat capsules, tablets, and all the rest of it over the years. Thank God my mom and dad forced me to do it when I was a kid, and I'm yeah. okay with it. But <laughs> I've got a lot of friends who are older or who have older parents, and they don't want to do it that way. They just want to consume it conventionally, right? right. And they don't want to do vaping, and they don't want to do these other things, sure. right? Which mm-hmm. is a real issue yeah. because they're worried about what a vape is, right? right? And so can they do conventional flour, quote, old school, right from the plant? Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. No, no, they can't. Not here in New York. All right. That's too simple. Not, not, (laughs) Not that long ago, law enforcement has even arrested people for federally legal hemp flour. So another piece of confusion here in this state. Without widespread normalization and access, cannabis remains largely unavailable to the New Yorkers who need it most. There's 20 million people, and we have 110,000 people with cards, many of whom it's very difficult to kind of get access to. So think about it. The best analogy I can come up with is when alcohol was prohibited. And what did Prohibition create? What did Prohibition create, Jim? Well, bootleggers, right? right? A lot of good movies, too, right? Stock car yeah, drivers. Some damn good movies. <laughs> exactly right. All right? But the bottom line is organized crime, yeah. right? Continued prohibition just forced fosters illegal cannabis activity for people who can't afford the extreme prices in the current medical climate. So if you're in New York, what do you do? Well, I'll tell you what you do. You call up your local illicit delivery guy. Right. He comes with a backpack. He opens it up and he's got edibles and everything else from all over the other states where it's fully legal. They're actually, in, in many instances, high quality products. Sure. Right. You know, that that have been gone through the appropriate state regulations in other states. Right. These guys have chosen to take the risk, which I think is a little crazy. Right. 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 To go to the other states, acquire all this product, come back to New York and charge, you know, a surcharge. But that surcharge is still less. Yeah. Than what New York would charge. (laughs) And what New York City charges in dispensaries. Crazy. My goodness. All right. Before we leave New York, let's touch on adult use just a bit. In the past year, New York's neighbors have taken some significant steps toward creating adult use markets of their own. Well, we challenge New Jersey on this show almost every week. The state is putting a legalization bill before voters this November, which a recent poll suggests 62% of their residents are in favor of. Legislators in both Pennsylvania and Connecticut are pushing adult use bills forward. In Massachusetts, stores generated $420 million in sales last year. In some places, half of the customers come from where? Come from New York. Yeah, of course. <laughs> half the customers. <laughs> All right, enough. There are so many things I love about the Empire State, but the way they have handled medicinal and health use is certainly not one of them. All right, let's move on to New Jersey, and I'm going to summarize it by saying there's nothing new in New Jersey, so let's move on. 
In fact, I'm not sure we can continue to talk about New Jersey because yeah, the referendum is coming up in November. It's sad. And I'm not sure how much new news is going to take place right, between right, now and then. All right. all right, let's go to Connecticut. A key Connecticut committee held a lengthy hearing last week about a marijuana legalization bill that legislative leaders filed on behalf of Governor Ned Lamont. The panel's discussion is the first step in what supporters hope, underscore hope, will be a process that ends up in the state being one of the next to end cannabis prohibition this year. Several top state officials testified in support of the legislation. Quote, we can't stick our heads in the sand. Cannabis will be increasingly available to the residents of Connecticut, close quote, said one of the senior advisors to the governor named Jonathan Harris, who told lawmakers in opening remarks at the hearing. All right. And then he went on and on and on to talk about tax revenue. And he went on and on and on to talk about other states. And he went on and on to talk about the illegal issues associated with Connecticut people going across the state line into Massachusetts. Sure. Right. Yeah. And I don't want to get I don't want to bore anybody with all that detail. I read all the detail line by line, word by word. But what did I learn from all that? Here's what I learned. Instead of talking about all the studies that have been conducted about the medicinal value of the space, of cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. What it does to PTSD, what it does to anxiety, what yeah. it does to epilepsy, what it can do for depression, yeah. what it's doing to athletics, right? And we're going to talk yet again about yeah. now the NFL is yeah. kind of is kind of finally on board. breaking down and yeah. getting on board, right? Mm-hmm. Instead, they choose about they choose to talk about well, oh my God, it's happening in Massachusetts. We better make it happen here, right. or it's it can be worth a bunch of money, right? Right. right. So I, I I don't I totally don't get it. Right? No, it, right? it makes. Right. No sense. So if you had a wonder drug that was impacting, I mean, we talk more about uh, hair regeneration, <laughs> right? right? We talk more about ED. We yeah. talk more about right. these things, right? Yeah. Which I'm not sure actually helps the overall health of America right. than we do about something that has proven to have very significant health impact. And it's a plant-based remedy. It's organic. It's plant-based. organic. It's all those things, right? Yes. It's like- all right. On to Massachusetts just briefly. Boston prepares for its first dispensary to open and officials are preparing for massive crowds. So think about this, New York. And people in Connecticut and New Jersey, right? Officials want to keep long customer lines from blocking sidewalks, slow down traffic, and create massive parking problems. The goal, officials said, is to head off some of the neighborhood complaints after Greater Boston's first dispensary opened in Brookline a year ago. Now, Brookline is not considered Boston. It's kind of Greater Boston. So this one is going to be in Boston, right? City. So it is going to be such an... A spectacular opening, right? That they've hired 40, they're expecting to have 40 people, right? Working behind the counters. They expect a thousand customers a day. And there's actually some dispensaries that are servicing 2,500 customers a day. Think about that. that 2,500 is... customers a day. Yeah. And why is that happening? It's happening because so many people are coming from out of state. Recall what yeah. what Lamont said. Right. Half the people that are consuming cannabis in the state of Connecticut are buying it from New York. Yeah. Or, excuse me, are buying it from Massachusetts. Yeah. It's a right? Walmart. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. I mean, if you think about it, I guess <laughs> that that's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. You know, at, at one point, right? Certain things were used as traffic draws in retail. Right. Milk, eggs, for yeah. example, yeah. meat, right, produce, and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Have this. If we ever get this thing fully adult use legal, I guess perhaps we can be using cannabis as a, as a, as a traffic. Yeah. Drug. I know that sounds a little crazy, ladies and gentlemen, but I just, again, I want to underscore what the potential is and what's happening in so many other states. I'll say, so far the city has 14 agreements to open locations, and we'll have to see where that stands. All right, that's some of the highlights in the tri-state plus Massachusetts. So there you have it, my thoughts on those issues. When we come back, we will move on to the next segment of our show, Stunning and Amazing Facts. 
Are you waking up the day after a workout, tennis match, or even a long walk just feeling it? Introducing CBDeliveryNY.com to help you live the life you know you can. They carry superior CBD made from the highest quality hemp, grown and harvested under the strictest regulations. Their ambassadors are certified trainers, physical therapists, and yoga teachers. They have gone through a rigorous education program, helping them understand what the power of plants can do for your overall wellness. So start 2020 off right. Try one of their New Year's product bundles. Go to CBDeliveryNY.com. That's CBDeliveryNY.com to find out what the power of plants can do for you. Now that's a heck of a song. All right, welcome back to NYCBD with Jeffrey Hill every Sunday at 8 a.m. on 710WOR Radio. Let's move on to the next segment of our show, Stunning and Amazing Facts, with our first stunner. Not even cannabis can escape the coronavirus. Unbelievable. Of all the industries, you'd think cannabis would be one of the most immune to supply chain disruptions from the coronavirus. Yet it's just beginning to feel the impact. Many cannabis firms source their hardware from China. I talked to several business owners across the industry, and they're experiencing shipment delays of up to three months due to epidemic-related factory shutdowns. This represents the real downside of global supply chain thinking. While firms in virtually all industries look around the world for low-cost suppliers, the challenge is when your supplier has all kinds of critical issues, like in this case the virus, reaching into its ability to do business, then the echo effect, the impact of that problem can be heard literally across almost all industries and certainly here, right? Here's another example of that. The biggest CBD show of the year and the largest natural foods show called Expo West, which is supposed to run in Anaheim, California, right? This month was literally canceled. They were expecting 85,000 attendees from all over the world, hundreds of international exhibitors, and as I said, 85,000 people coming to watch the show. So multiply that out, ladies and gentlemen. 85,000 people aren't coming. 85,000 hotel rooms. Of course, a couple of people are doubling up, so let's call it 50,000, <laughs> right? And just imagine the multiplied effect of that, right? So, Jay, let me just ask you this. In, in, in your experience, having worked on brand after brand after brand, can you think of a situation like this where the entire supply chain across so many businesses can actually be threatened? No, no, you know, it's never happened like this. I don't think right. any business has ever seen this. Right. And uh, I, I think the one thing that we got to caution everyone on is lack, let's not overreact, ladies and gentlemen. The numbers that I look at, and I don't want to diminish the importance of this because it's critically sure. important, right? But yeah. the numbers that I look at suggest that there's a higher likelihood of you catching the flu than you are catching the virus, right. A, B. The death rate of the flu, 37,000 yeah. people died yeah. in the United States from the flu last Middle year, of. which frankly I had no idea yeah. about, right? Like and that's a significantly greater number than is the expectation of any of the numbers that are being shown in the coronavirus. The bottom line is we're closing schools down. Sure. We've got moms and dads petrified. We've right. got people that are yeah. that are making believe it's the biggest storm of the yeah. year. They're buying product and all kinds of Face things. Facemax, Purell. I mean, it just, the, the run-on right. product is... Now, again, I don't want to diminish the impact of this, but right. I do want to underscore the past. You see people are putting... Uh, Upselling stuff on Amazon, yeah, yeah. Purell and yeah. face masks, selling, yeah. selling for yeah. like seventy bucks each. It's yeah. just astounding. But I, you know, so so let, so, ladies and gentlemen, let's try to keep some degree of reasonableness as we look at these issues. But I did want to underscore that the coronavirus is reaching its long hand all the way into this category. All right, let's move on and let's talk a little bit about sports. 
All right. With spring training now in full swing, Major League Baseball is further clarifying its stance on cannabis. Players can now consume cannabis without the risk of discipline. The league explained in a new memo and, at least for now, are barred from entering into commercial arrangements with companies in the cannabis space. Right? You like that? All right, so this is this is like the MLB holding on for dear life, trying not to let go. Okay, so in the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, there's an understanding that cannabis is very important as a medicinal item for many of its players. Sure, some of its players are using it as a recreational item as well, but I always like to focus on the medicinal side, and many players are, are alleviating many challenges, or at least they're describing the impact it's having on inflammation, pain, recovery, and a whole host of other things, not to mention sleep, et cetera etc. Yet the leadership in the MLB, who's finally kind of loosening up its grasp, you know, still wants to hold on to something. So what are they holding on to in this particular instance? Well, you, you can't take money from anybody in the space. Well, you're about to hear an interview with a gentleman named uh, Ian Davidson in a company called Segra International. Now, you tell me after you listen to that, that that doesn't make sense for people to step up and want to represent that company as a high-quality, important company in the industry and let the MLB kind of simmer on that one for a bit. All right. Despite the relaxed marijuana rules, the league says in the new memo, key restrictions remain on how players and teams interact with legal cannabis. What does that mean? Well, Team doctors are forbidden from recommending medical cannabis or producing any cannabinoid products to players. Well, team doctors are forbidden from recommending medical cannabis or providing any cannabinoid products to players. And teams may not store such products on club premises. So again, over and over and over, all the same kinds of things. Holding on for dear life. I get the on the premises thing, but why wouldn't the doctors help the players? Yeah, well, you know. Doesn't make any sense. I guess we're going to, you'd have to talk to the individuals involved, right? In the parking lot. (laughs) All right. These restrictions could eventually change, at least when it comes to CBD. Major League Baseball and its players union are working to develop an independent testing and certification process for the products. A number of athletic governing bodies like WADA, the World Athletic Doping Association, the U.S. Anti-Doping Association, also known as USADA, things we've talked about on this show before, have all suggested that testing is much too aggressive, that these things should be allowed for medicinal use by players. The NFL also making a move, heaven forbid, the last bastion of hope in terms of holding on to history, the NFL is in negotiations with its players about how to adjust its own marijuana rules. A proposed collective bargaining agreement from the Players Association aims to recast the drug policy to increase emphasis on clinical care. Well, there you go. At least they're identifying the clinical side of the category, and that's going to go a long way at satisfying many of these NFL players. Almost all the retired players have come out and spoken very boldly about the importance of the space in terms of their own medical regimen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there are two important stunners for you. When we come back, we'll move on to the third segment of our show, our guest, and we've got a brilliant guest today, and that is Ian Davidson. All right, Ian is probably the foremost expert in cultivation and growing the cannabis category. He has done a number of things in the space, has started his own companies and worked with several others, and he has a lot to say that could impact your investment in the cannabis space as well. So let's listen to Ian right after this. 
you waking up the day after a workout, tennis match, or even a long walk just feeling it? Introducing CBDeliveryNY.com to help you live the life you know you can. They carry superior CBD made from the highest quality hemp, grown and harvested under the strictest regulations. Their ambassadors are certified trainers, physical therapists, and yoga teachers. They have gone through a rigorous education program, helping them understand what the power of plants can do for your overall wellness. So start 2020 off right. Try one of their New Year's product bundles. Go to CBDeliveryNY.com. That's CBDeliveryNY.com to find out what the power of plants can do for you. Welcome back to NYCBD with Jeffrey Hill right here on 710WOR Radio in New York City. Don't forget, right after the show airs, it becomes a podcast. It also becomes a YouTube channel, and we have a full round of social media on virtually every kind of social platform you could imagine at NYCBD Official. All right, let's move on to the third segment of our show, today's guest. I am very pleased to introduce Ian Davidson. Ian is currently Global Business Development Manager of a company called Segra International. He'll get into that as we go. He's an entrepreneur, an agricultural visionary, and has dedicated his entire professional career to building new companies focused on sustainable agriculture and for the last many years, cannabis. In 2007, Ian founded Biologic. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Crop, crop Solutions, a landmark company providing products and services to over 500 commercial cannabis operations globally. Yes, I said that. 500 commercial cannabis operations globally. In 2015, Ian founded the agricultural consulting company Davidson Organics, where he developed over 600,000 square feet of high-tech greenhouse cannabis production in California. Uh, at the time, it made him probably the individual most responsible for growing out the most square footage of cannabis of anyone perhaps in the world. He is currently with Segra International, a very exciting firm focused on the science of growing cannabis. So let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Ian. Great to have you with us. Hey, thanks, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be with you today. All right. Well, we are thrilled to have you. I've got Jay on the phone also, so he may throw a question or two at you as we go. But let's begin by, you know, you've got an amazing background. You started out kind of obviously in the agronomy kind of agricultural space. Tell us a little bit more about your career prior to cannabis, and then let's jump into a little bit more specifically uh, where you are in the cannabis space, please. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, thanks again, Jeff, for having me. And, and uh, yeah, a little bit, little bit about my background. Um, you know, I've essentially been uh, in the uh, cannabis and sustainable agriculture um, industry movement, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> for the better part of the last 17 years. And, uh, you know, which pretty much extends back to the, uh, the, the beginning of my career. You know, before cannabis, uh, um, I had a fair amount of experience working in the natural foods industry, um, working for companies like Whole Foods Market and, and uh, really getting exposure to, you know, the power of natural medicines. Um, and, uh, you know, within that natural foods world, it's no mystery that there's quite a strong parallel with cannabis. Um, you know, a lot of the, uh, the founders of these original natural foods companies are no stranger to the plants. 
And, uh, you know, that's one of the, uh, the areas we're really so excited to see cannabis grow and prosper is, is within the natural foods industry. Um, so yeah, you know, on the, on the cannabis side, um, I've been in, I've been in the space for quite some time. Uh, as you mentioned, I founded a company back in 2007, um, called biologic crop solutions, and we're based in California and Oregon and, uh, it's a wholesale, uh, farm supply company. And through that business, I've really had the pleasure of, um, you know, kind of seeing into all different forms of cannabis production, um, both on the cultivation side and the formulary side. And, uh, you know, really, uh, been blessed to, to be exposed to so much of the business around the world, um, you know, through being on the, uh, supply side. Um, and, uh, you know, after about seven years of being in the, uh, the supply side of the business, I, um, ended up taking a, a bit of hiatus from the, uh, the cannabis focus and actually spent about three and a half years uh, working for a company called Biological Capital um, based in uh, Hawaii. And uh, it was a really uh, pretty profound project. We uh, um, essentially kind of transformed a 4,000-acre uh, cattle ranch there into a sustainable agriculture um, system, growing about 150 different types of crops, uh, fruits, nuts, and and vegetables for the uh, Hawaiian markets there. And uh, interestingly, too, on that uh, journey, also uh, worked to build a farm for uh, Oprah out there on Maui. Oprah has a, uh, you know, a sprawling uh, complex there and uh, is also really a, a passionate uh, advocate for organic agriculture. So we had the opportunity to work with her and her team uh, to develop a, uh, a very diversified organic farm on her, sta- her estate out there in, uh, in Maui. And, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, we haven't had any collaboration re- related to cannabis yet. It'd be a pretty amazing thing to see her enter into this space. But, uh, uh, so yeah, you know, had a, a really interesting, uh, journey out there. got my kind of feet wet in large scale farm operations and farm management. And, uh, you know, that segued right into the, um, uh, legal cannabis train kind of taking off in California. So, you know, after uh, several years on the islands there, ended up coming back to California, resettling in uh, Santa Barbara, uh, which has really become the uh, hotbed for commercial scale cannabis production in California. Right. Um, Before we before we get into that, you, you you mentioned Oprah and we're certainly not suggesting that she is involved in the cannabis space, but she's been quoted a number of times, at least anecdotally. Uh, that she's a believer in medicinal cannabis. And uh, while she has not given her name to the space, it's my understanding that she is a supporter. Is, it, is that your judgment as well? Well, it, it sure seems like it. You know, she's, uh, she's walking a uh, kind of a fine line there, obviously, with her, her celebrity status. You know, but I think if you look at her, um, you know, her very public passion for natural medicine, natural foods, organic foods, sustainability, you know, it's uh, it's pretty hard to be into those things without being passionate about uh, the future of medical cannabis. Right. Oh, you know, I mean, I draw the analogy often between Oprah and uh, Tom Brady. Right. Tom Brady wrote the book TB12, which we've talked about on the show a number of times. And, uh, you know, he talks about the power of plants and plant based wellness, along with other things that he's focused on, <clears throat> along with his um, his kind of trainer and partner, Guerrero. Right. And uh, while he also doesn't kind of label himself as a cannabis guy, I think a lot of that is because of the politics of the NFL, et cetera. But I think, you know, the audience can read between the lines. Some of the folks that are completely committed to plant-based wellness, Oprah's one, Brady is one, and there are many others, uh, I think are going to get a lot more vocal 
about this space as uh, as some of the dynamics, the political dynamics loosen up. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. You know, it's, it's still a bit tricky to be a super celebrity and, uh, you know, come out fully in support of, of this when there's still so much, uh, you know, uh, that, that has to be sorted out yet from the uh, the regulatory side, political side, et cetera. So I think that's really going to be one of the most exciting, uh, you know, kind of evolutions in the cannabis industry over the next, say, 18 months as things really progress in the U.S., uh, where I think you're going to start seeing a lot of, uh, you know, high level support. I mean, look on the political side, right? You know, it's like how many politicians do we have now, you know, coming out, you know, presidential candidates, you know, full support. So, uh, so yeah, I think, uh, you know, in the kind of doldrums of the current uh, capital markets with cannabis right now, you know, I think, uh, you know, we're really on the uh, precipice here of some major breakthroughs that are going to allow a lot of these endorsements and uh, and advocates that have been behind the curtain for so many years to really come out and and, uh, and voice their support. For yeah, right. Up. Earlier in the show, we talked about the NFL, which kind of loosened up its grip on cannabis. Of course, the NHL, Hockey League, and the MLB, Major League Baseball players, have also changed their rules and regulations. Um, and when the NFL came forward, of course, this is part of their current CBA, so it needs to be finalized. Uh, one of their edicts was that they do not want their players representing cannabis products, which I thought was interesting. But as far as legalization is concerned or as far as fines, etc., uh, cannabis is kind of uh, rapidly being considered an acceptable product, which I find fascinating. So we'll have to see where the CBA ends up. But I do believe that many of these folks... Um, like you mentioned, along with the politicians. I mean, I don't think you can run for president of the Democratic Party right now unless you come out in favor of, of cannabis. <laughs> and they seem to be racing. Uh, you know, Bernie's last comment is on the first day that he's put in office, he's going to do by executive order, he's going to make cannabis legal, which we all know, of, of course, is completely undoable, but it's something that he likes to kind of uh, make part of his ongoing stump speech, which I think uh, is obviously very vote-driven among his party. All right, let's move on from there and talk a little bit about Segra International. It's a very exciting company. You're very involved in it. You guys are doing some fascinating technology. Remember, the audience is excited about these businesses, but isn't that deep on the technology. So try to simplify it if you could for us and tell us a little bit about Segra, please. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Segra is a, uh, a Canadian cannabis company. Um, actually, was founded about five years ago with, uh, you know, with the original objective to produce uh, standardized cannabis for clinical trials, which, um, you know, is really kind of a big missing piece um, in the industry currently of, you know, having truly standardized um, cannabis uh, medicine to go into these uh, clinical trials that there's so much excitement about around the world. So, you know, Sega really identified a void there. And uh, as the company evolved um, in the recent years, you know, Sega has really become a leading cannabis biotech company uh, globally. And uh, we specialize in uh, a couple technologies currently. Um, one is referred to as plant tissue culture. Um, where we uh, have a process where we can mass produce standardized cannabis plants in a laboratory um, using, you know, modern high-tech kind of biotechnology tools. Um, and we also have developed a technology for uh, DNA fingerprinting the plants, um, which is a critical technology to the whole track and trace kind of global supply chain, right? Where, you know, you've got, uh, you know, growers that are trying to, uh, you know, produce these products globally. Um, they want to be able to have a consistent product every time. 
Uh, they want to have it be re- reproducible anywhere in the world. So we're really here to kind of support that evolution of the industry. Um, through you know our nursery, we're able to propagate these you know perfect plants, disease-free, coming straight out of our laboratory. Uh, and then we're able to do a whole host of analysis on these plants, you know, guaranteeing uh, through the DNA fingerprint that they're exactly the cultivar they're supposed to be, um, to def- uh, identifying all of the pathogens and uh, guaranteeing clean stocks. So, you know, what Segra is really doing is uh, will be very, very disruptive in the cannabis industry. Um, you know, essentially, we're kind of redefining the uh, best practices of how cannabis plants are produced globally. And, uh, you know, from our laboratory in Canada, uh, now with our license from Health Canada, uh, we're able to ship these plants into any federally regulated market in the world. So, right on. so let, think, let me, uh, you know, let me just take that apart for just just a little bit, because one of the things that the audience has challenged us on a number of times in direct messages and different meetings we've done locally here in the tri-state is they have challenged the reproducibility of a plant as medicine, right? In other words, the ability to take an individual genetic or a seed, if you will, and replicate that in, in, in and grow, in, in grow it out so that, to your point, you can count on it consistently time after time after time to be the same. Therefore, it can go into a clinical, it can go into other form of medical trials, it can go up against the challenges that the FDA obviously likes to uh, pursue when they are looking at, you know, new kinds of medical solutions like this is, et cetera. And I think that Segra kind of embodies that. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, Jeff, if you look, if you look at other medicinal plants, you know, that have, uh, that have come about in, throughout time, plants like echinacea, ginkgo biloba, et cetera, you know, virtually all of them are produced using this uh, tissue culture technology for these exact concerns that you're uh, discussing here, right? You know, we're dealing with a living plant um, and, uh, you know, uh, propagated through seed. You know, each one has its own, uh, what you'd refer to as genotype, right? They're all slightly different. They all have, you know, slightly different properties, et cetera. So what we're really doing is uh, following suit with how most other high-value medicinal plants are produced um, using this, uh, this modern technology that really allows for the uh the standardization right and it's it's not just um medicinal plants too like if you look at you know other very high value field crops like strawberries right you know strawberries are you know the next highest uh top line revenue crop per acre next to cannabis in the world and uh you know the entire global strawberry supply chain is uh based off of these tissue cultured plantlets you know you have companies like driscoll strawberry company producing hundreds of millions of these plants, distributing them all around the world. So, you know, we're really looking to build on the backs of um, these existing uh, supply chains that are out there uh, for other crops. And, uh, you know, interestingly, Jeff, like I mentioned, strawberries, right? You know, I live here in California. I've been watching the the strawberry industry evolve here for 15 years. And, and, uh, you know, if you're a strawberry farmer in California, you can't even get a loan from the bank to uh, plant a strawberry field unless the plants are coming from an accredited tissue culture laboratory. You can't get an insurance policy to insure your farm and your crop. Uh, so, you know, here in California, the bankers and the insurance companies, you know, already know that, you know, to have a guaranteed quality supply chain uh, with, a, uh, with a clonally produced plant like strawberries or cannabis, you know, it's, you're going to have to have these perfect plants or the risk is just simply too high. Right up. So, you know, the you one, know, 
let me let me just interrupt for a, a second because one of the uh, the trivia questions that I always use is, you know, I use strawberries. What I'm trying to ex- describe what Segra does, and I've been following is for my my audience's benefit. I've been following Segra International for all five years that they've been around. We've had Ian on the show once prior to this about thirty weeks or so ago, and. Um, they have really made some major inroads. And my, my trivia question is, um, there's, something, there's something in the billions of strawberries that are sold globally every year, right? And then I ask the question, of all the different businesses, farms, etc., that are involved in strawberry growth, who do you think has, excuse me, what do you think is the leading market share of any one firm? And I would say to you that the biggest answer I've ever gotten is around 5%, which would make sense in any other business, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, if you're producing this stuff all over the world and there's all these farmers and different businesses and different distribution plays involved, you'd think that there was, you know, nobody would have a real substantial share of what is effectively a farm-produced produce product. But that indeed is not at all the case. I think the number is something along 80% is what the Driscoll brand represents of global strawberries. Is that about right? Yep, you're right, Jeff. And uh, and that's essentially, uh, you know, that came about for Driscoll because they were the first strawberry company in the world to crack tissue culture and to develop the uh, the process. And, uh, you know, we're able to gain such a huge, huge market share. So, so yeah, it's 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 very different than, uh, you know, you look at a crop like corn, et cetera, you know, seed seed produced crops. These, um, you know, these clonally produced crops, you know, have all evolved uh, at an industrial scale to this really. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. High-tech, specialized, laboratory-based process. And, uh, you know, cannabis is, uh, is the perfect fit. You know, on our, on our team at Segra, we have a, um, a scientist, Dr. Smazabide, who is, uh, leads up our tissue culture operations. And you know, is one of the top tissue culture scientists in the world. Um, developed a lot of the protocols for many other medicinal plants. And, uh, you know, according to him, you know, tissue culture, uh, the technology, um, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the way it will evolve in cannabis will be profound far beyond any other crop it has uh, touched. Um, and that has to do with the fact that, you know, cannabis is being produced uh, year round all over the world, right? You have, you know, these monstrous operators now, greenhouse operators, you know, producing crops on a, uh, you know, a weekly basis. And, uh, you know, the ability to be supplying into this new industry that, you know, will probably, I would say, Jeff, within five years, you know, the amount of plants that will be produced through tissue culture will probably be 10 to 20 times more than what's even seen in the strawberry industry today. Right. So, you know, the the demand for the plants is is so enormous and uh, there's really a big vacuum right now uh, in in the nursery space, uh, in the cannabis industry as a whole. Right. So let's let's penetrate that a little bit more. And, you know, there's a number of listeners to the show that are kind of thinking about what can they pick up that can impact their thinking about investing, et cetera. Right. So there's a there's a term called LP in our industry, legal producers, and many of the biggest legal producers, many of the biggest LPs are in Canada, of course, because the Canadian marketplace was very friendly to cannabis. So was the stock exchanges up there. 
and many of the largest and early players are in Canada even to this day, right? Mm-hmm. Yet several yeah. of them have struggled, right, and been unable to deliver their volume commitments, unable to harvest consistently, have had all kinds of problems with pathogens and other things. Um, speak to that a little bit and the role Segra can play. Absolutely. So, yeah, the uh, interesting situation right now, um, particularly in, in Canada, um, you know, what we've seen up there is – you know, the rise of uh, some of these really large producers, you know, several, several of them now operating, you know, over a million square feet of, uh, of cultivation, right? You know, we're talking like 10 to 20 acres of, of cultivation. And, uh, you know, and that's all come about, you know, only within a few years. I mean, we've seen, you know, uh, you know, $500 million facilities pop up, you know, in six to nine months. And uh, the growth has just been astronomical. However, you know, along that growth trajectory, um, you know, many of these companies, you know, you look at the executive teams that were assembled, um, you know, the, the groups that were put together to, to build these operations. And, and you see really most of the, the talent there is coming out of finance, coming out of manufacturing, CPG, et cetera. You know, not a whole lot of real uh, agricultural um, specialization in the early stages of these companies. And, and uh, you know, the scaling um, happen extremely fast. And, and what's, what's uh, happened now is, you know, you'll hear a lot of talk right now, uh, Jeff, about this supply glut that exists in Canada, where, you know, these LPs are sitting on product, they can't sell it, et cetera. And, uh, you know, what's really kind of going beh- on behind the curtain there is there is a supply glut of low quality cannabis. And, uh, you know, these producers in their scaling have produced massive amounts of, you know, what we in the industry like to refer to as mids right? Kind of mid quality cannabis, um, a lot of low quality cannabis. And, uh, you know, you still have a raging black market producing really high quality products um, outside of, uh, you know, the whole regulatory rigmarole um, that's costing these companies, you know, so much money just to even comply and, uh, and be, you know, in compliance with Health Canada and all of their regulations. So, you know, the big challenge that these producers are facing is how do you operate on that scale and produce quality, um, produce, you know, high quality product that is actually going to attract these customers and pull them into these dispensaries and get them away from the uh, black market suppliers they've been working with for years and years. So, you know, I think it's, uh, it's important for investors to understand uh, what's going on up there, right? You know, it's, it's not that, uh, um, you know, the demand isn't there. <laughs> the demand is extremely strong. Uh, you know, producers are struggling to produce the quality that the clients want. And at the small scale, you know, you look at uh, producers like, as an example, Broken Coast out there in British Columbia, you know, producing a fabulous, consistent, high quality product, you know, but they're producing it, you know, on, uh, you know, 5% of the square footage that some of these large LPs are working with. So, you know, I think, you know, long story short here, you know, what you're going to see happen in the next few years is a lot of specialization, right? You've got these companies that emerged you know, trying to essentially be vertically integrated, right? They're doing everything. They're doing everything from nursery, cultivation, processing, packaging, distribution, marketing, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and, uh, and in agriculture, that's really not uh, generally the way things work. You know, uh, uh, things become specialized. You know, you have specialized nursery operators like Segra that become very good at the beginning of the supply chain. You have specialized growers that become very good at cultivation. So, I think what you're really going to see is kind of a meltdown of that vertical integration. And, uh, you know, a lot of companies similar to Segra 
emerging, highly specialized, highly focused, um, you know, taking over, uh, you know, different sections of the uh, supply chain. Right. So just let me make my audience aware, since, again, back to this issue of investing, many of my uh, many of the folks have asked, you know, give us some direction in terms of different investment uh, thinking. And Segra's involved in a raise right now. They are pre-public. Um, they have many of the benefits that Ian just described. And if anybody's interested in learning more about this, Ian and his management team would be more than happy to chat with you. And you can just get a hold of the show right here at WOR and we can we can fill you guys in. I think the bottom line, though, is consistently the, the consistency, the ability to duplicate product time after time after time. If it's going to be considered a pharmaceutical quality product, you need to have the ability to replicate the DNA of an individual plant and know that every time it's produced, it's going to be consistent. And that's the essence of what Segret does. All right, so let me move on. You guys have recently moved into CBD. I've only got about five more minutes, Ian, so I wanted to get into the CBD discussion, and then we can move on from there. But um, Love it. you guys have recently got into CBD. Tell us a little bit about that decision. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for Segra, we now have established a uh, laboratory in uh, Portland, Oregon, kind of right in the heart of the whole hemp, uh, hemp movement here in the U.S. And, uh, you know, it's going to be very interesting to watch um, this uh, category evolve in the in the in the next few years here. Um, you know, now that we have uh, you know the FDA and the USDA, you know, really putting their fingers into uh, into the uh, the world of of CBD, hemp, and and cannabis. Um, and I think you know what you're going to see happen here is um, uh, a few things. You know, on the on the cultivation side, um, the USDA kind of has the whole. Uh, hemp farming world in a in a bit of a in a bit of a pickle right now um, as they're looking at and considering introducing rules um, that would make um, it you know very very difficult to produce CBD um, and be compliant for THC. Um, so you know the testing rules that are being proposed right now um, are uh, you know by folks like me could be interpreted as uh, maybe using an adjective like uh, draconian. Um, and, uh, it's going to make it very, very difficult to grow, particularly by seed, right? Because as we discussed before, every seed's different. They're like babies. They're all a little different. Um, you know, unfortunately in the seed world, you don't get twins, you know, they're, uh, everyone is unique. And so, you know, for a farmer out there, these emerging farmers, you know, looking at how they're going to, uh, you know, comply with these, uh, these rules that are being, uh, contemplated right now by the USDA is, it's pretty terrifying. So, you know, this year, um, 2020, um, you know, the growers have been kind of given a free pass, essentially. You know, the USDA isn't going to introduce these new cultivation rules this year. Um, however, our focus is really on 2021, um, because what it looks like is going to happen is um, these regulations are going to be put in place. They're going to be very, very strict on THC content in the plants. And uh, that's going to make uh, uh, clonal production or tissue culture production uh, very, very ideal. Um, because, you know, again, in tissue culture, we can guarantee every single one of these plants are exactly genetically uniform. Um, so our focus right now is really on uh, 2021. We're doing a, a variety of field trial uh, testing of a number of different tissue culture-based uh, cannabis plants this year, really looking for the winners that are going to be the right fit. Um, again, assuming that the uh, the regulations are really going to get tightened up here by the by the USDA, right? But it, but the reality of all that of all that tightening of regulations is it plays right into your hands, right? Because you guys are uniquely capable of being able to address 
the DNA fingerprint of individual plants and address the THC content limitations, et cetera, right? So isn't that a long way of saying that Segway is well positioned? I'd have to admit, yeah, I'd have to admit the USDA gave us a big fat Christmas present. There you uh, go. All right. Well, that was a hell of a long. That was a hell. That was a hell of a long explanation to get to a short answer, which is I, which is where I was thinking it was going. Also, we know that Stephen Hahn, the new commissioner of the FDA, has begun to relax the FDA's aggressive stance in the category. So while there's a number of challenges going on, you know, some of the kind of top line thinking is coming right your way. I would say, right? Oh yeah. I mean the the comments by uh, you know uh, Mr. Hahn recently. Uh, could not be more welcomed, and uh, I think it really is a uh, a clear signal that uh, that change is coming. You know, and the uh, you know, let's be honest here, right? We're watching a uh, you know a, a multi billion dollar industry emerge uh, right before our very eyes, and you know, when you look across uh, you know the economy right now globally, you know, I don't see anything else that even comes close, you know, to being uh, you know a, a hot new business sector that's going to you know create you know, literally millions of new jobs and, and, uh, et cetera. And, uh, you know, it's the, the evidence is just too strong at this point, you know, for, for it to turn back. So, so yeah, it is, you know, it's, it's, it's very exciting. And, and even on the USDA level too, you know, I think, uh, USDA is kind of, uh, you know, I think taking kit now kind of moving a few steps behind. So, uh, you know, but the general consensus really is, uh, is, is just a very positive trend right now. Oh, there you go. And I think that that's a very good place to leave it. I, I, I do think that Segra is incredibly well positioned. I want to thank you for coming back on the show and describing a little bit more about where you guys stand, not only uh, in the work that you've done in Canada and your Vancouver operation, but also what you're doing in the United States on the CBD side. Uh, Ian, you're probably the smartest guy in the space that I've ever met, and I want to thank you again for participating. All right? Hey, you're very welcome, Jeff. And yeah, thanks for bringing me on the show. I, uh, I'm a regular listener and, uh, you know, couldn't uh, express my appreciation enough for uh, what you're doing here and the, uh, the way you're supporting the movement and bringing information out for people. So kudos to you, Jeff. Kudos to the show. Thanks, great, thanks greatly for having me uh, on today. All right. Very good. When we come back, we'll move to the fourth segment of our show, Your Messages. Are you waking up the day after a workout, tennis match, or even a long walk just feeling it? Introducing CBDeliveryNY.com to help you live the life you know you can. They carry superior CBD made from the highest quality hemp, grown and harvested under the strictest regulations. Their ambassadors are certified trainers, physical therapists, and yoga teachers. They have gone through a rigorous education program, helping them understand what the power of plants can do for your overall wellness. So start 2020 off right. Try one of their New Year's product bundles. Go to cbdeliveryny.com. That's cbdeliveryny.com to find out what the power of plants can do for you. Welcome back to NYCBD with Jeffrey Hill right here on 710 WOR Radio every Sunday at 8 a.m. I'm always fascinated by the music that my good friend, Mr. Flipsy, picks. And there you go, one of his favorites. You're welcome. All right. All right, let's go on to the fourth segment of our show, responding to your message. Our message today comes from Jordan from upstate New York. He says, I found your guest, Charles Feldman, very compelling, especially his discussion about the DEA. Recall Charles Feldman was a DEA supervisor at one point in his career and is now an attorney focusing on the cannabis space. 
This gentleman, Jordan, lives in the upstate, 10 miles from the Massachusetts border. He suffers from arthritis and has constant pain in his legs and lower back. He's been traveling to Massachusetts every month since it is an adult legal state, and they have a dispensary right on the port border in Pittsfield, Mass. I'm trying to understand the risk associated with taking the cannabis he buys back across the state line, he says, and he asks, what is my risk? Well, Jordan, we've discussed this before. Jail. Yeah, you you can't underscore it enough. (laughs) As Charles said, the DEA is a federal agency, and cannabis is still a Schedule I drug at the federal level. All right? So the DEA has the federal right to come and arrest you. As soon as you cross the state line, you're under the purview of the DEA, and yes, indeed, they can take action. Having said that, as Charles said in our show, this is happening consistently all over the country, less and less. However, there's always that one individual that might be short a little bit on his numbers, and I'm talking about agents because everybody has numbers, right? Every policeman has a quota. Every agent has a number, right? So bottom line, there is a risk, but the frequency of these arrests is increasingly minimized as time goes on. Having said that, my best advice is to Do not do it. Yeah, is to try to get a medicinal (laughs) marijuana card in New York and take the long trip to one of the 35 dispensaries in your state. Sure, it takes a lot more effort, and there's a few more um, dollars involved, perhaps, but the risk you take would be zero. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed today's show, and our guest, Ian Davidson of Segra International. We'll be back next week for another 60 minutes of the critical issues facing cannabis and CBD, the financial implications, the political implications, and, of course, the societal implications. Remember, knowledge is built brick by brick. Today, you got my 40-second brick. A lot of bricks. There you go. The wall's getting taller. (laughs) Until next week, this is NYCBD with Jeffrey Hill. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.